Gavin. Hi, Louis. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I am too. Welcome everyone to The Mixed Reviews. The Mixed Reviews is a podcast where we take a movie subject such as an actor or director or a mini genre and we take two weeks and we watch as many movies as we can and we take talk to you about what's best and what's worst about yeah, it. Yeah, we like mix it up. We like deep dive. We get all into like the ooey gooey you, bits. You made physical motions when you deep dive. Listen, like, you were, I'm like, a physical actor. I'm someone yeah. from the stage, you know, like, like that's, that's my background. So. I just want to point out that that's not me. I'm much more of the swim fan of one mm. type where I'm just sitting behind a computer going, you're doing great, Louis. Okay, first of all, love that movie. <laughs> Swim fan, whatever the lead character. I like that you called it Swim Fan 01, as if we could expect a new version of it soon. <laughs> I, which I hope so. I want one. That's what. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, you guys are hearing our very special guest, Mr. Joe Reed himself. Oh, Joe Reed! I jumped the gun. I'm no, sorry. No. So when Swim Fan comes up, you got to jump in. First of all, and that's true. I that was I saw my shot and I and you I took it. Dove in at it. Yeah. First of all, one of my biggest pet peeves about listening to a podcast is when I have to when I know there's a guest because uh-huh. it says yes. it in the title and I have it's to listen. It's somewhat stressful. Exactly. You listen to the host for ten minutes, beat around the bush, and then it's like, no. oh, here's our guest. Yeah, we're not going to do that here. Not no, here. No, no, not in this house. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have Joe Reed of. Uh, this had Oscar buzz. Um, we had uh, your lovely um, co-host Chris on earlier a couple yes. of episodes ago. We talked about what did we talk? We, we talked about Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. I was so I was seething with jealousy, <laughs> which is why I had to like oh, yeah. barge down your door and demand <laughs> that I got to participate because yeah, he got to talk about Julianne Moore. Was it you who you tweeted something about like how upset you were that you weren't in the conversation about um, soaps? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. You guys were talking about soaps, and I was like, I know about soaps. It's okay. I only had to cut out like a half an hour of that. Right. right. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Um, I love that so much. We talked about uh, obviously the the queen herself, Julianne Moore, and it's funny you're here now to talk about another queen, a dame, even. Yes. Ooh. Indeed. Yes. Uh, we're talking today about uh, Dame Emma Thompson. Um, so exciting! But before we get into that, hold on to your. Your Emma Thompson uh, excitedness, because we do have some old business. Um, our last episode, we talked about Keanu Reeves, um, and I completely forgot to put up the poll, but Gavin didn't, so thank the Lord. Uh, That's what so, I'm here for. Thank you. Uh, so we asked you guys to go online and uh, vote for what your favorite Keanu Reeves uh, movie is, or your best performance, whatever you want to quantify your Keanu feelings. Um, and here's the results. My pick, River's Edge, came in at last uh, place with 15%. A Scanner Darkly, which was your pick, uh, was at 17%. The Matrix came in at 27%. And John Wick came in at first at 41%. The you kids, know, the kids love the new stuff. They do love the new stuff, and I will say, I I was under no illusion that either Lou here, my pick, was going to win. <laughs> was this the first time that we both came in like, oh yeah, dead last, last, last? But I will say, both River's Edge and A Scanner Darkly are completely worth watching if you have not seen them and do still seek them out in between your repeat viewings of John Wick 3. three. Parabellum. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, Joe, if you had to pick one Keanu moment, which one would you pick? I mean, I kept trying to write speed in on my like computer screen and it wouldn't <laughs> right. register a write-in vote. Right, so. no. We had a couple... Of those four... We had a couple people say speed, though. Yeah, we definitely did. I think speed is the movie that best captures everything that you want from Keanu where it's like it's actiony but it's a little dumb mm-hmm. but it's like funny in a weird way and like he it was it was his like peak like hotness in terms of like a male action starness where like yeah. even like the matrix he looks like you know, a porcelain doll face. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? He's very sort of like pale and like whatever. He was very like, fragile. Sp- yeah. 
Speed was the one where he was closest to ever becoming a hunk. Well, also, but... I would say between Speed and, like, Point Break. Because Point Break... Oh, for sure. Both yes. have different hair stories. <laughs> Very much so, yes. But, all, but like, in conversation with one another, which yes. I like. Yes, yeah, so back and forth, if you will. Um, yes, exactly. Um, excellent. I very much don't get the John Wick thing. Mm. I say that having seen none of them, but I'm like, I probably <laughs> I don't get, get it, it, and I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. I don't care to. I'm very Lucille Bluth about that whole thing. I don't know what you're talking about, and I won't respond Just to slowly it, closing the door as you look yeah. suspicious. Yes, no. that is ap- I'm every Lucille Bluth gif, except for Gene Parmesan, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to John Wick. Um, excellent. Great. Well, Keanu, we love you. Right. You ride off onto your horses, stabbing people in John Wick movies to, I don't know, infinity. Um, it's it's Budapest and beyond. Yeah. Based on how much money it's making, it seems like that's, that's what it is. It's unreal how much money it's making. Yeah. Um, but anyway. You did it, kids. You saved the John Wick series. Yeah. John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Thank the Lord. Um, but moving on, let's get into some Emma Thompson. Um, now, as I heard, you told me that Joe requested. I did. Emma Thompson. So I did. Joe, what's the scoop? Uh, well, I I know you guys tend to try and pair your upcoming episodes with stuff that's being released, and I knew that she was going to be in this movie late night yes. with Mindy Kaling, which I was not at Sundance, so I did not get a chance to see. Oh, you didn't make it to Sundance I, this year? Oh my god! <laughs> I know. I still haven't. One of these years, man, I'm going to take it by storm. But um. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to. And it's, I think it's her in a little bit of like a different scenario than normal. I feel like we haven't seen her in like an American broad comedy maybe in a while. Although I did say, I did watch Junior today. Okay, so good. We'll have yeah. to talk so about that. Confirmed we all saw Junior for this. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Good, good. We, may, we, all, we all had to see that. Mm-hmm. That was the one yeah, it's, mandatory. It really is the like universal unifier in of terms Emma of Emma truly. <laughs> truly. No, but I've always loved Emma Thompson. I think she's such an interesting um actress and i feel like sometimes because she isn't american and sometimes we don't really loop her in with like sort of the the major sort of actress conversation which tends to in america be like you know kidman streep julianne moore Kate blanchett like that all and like emma is sometimes sort of outside of that because of you know how she makes movies she sort of you know seems to stay in england a lot um but i feel like we should have her in that conversation more because she's phenomenal and very and you know has had a very interesting career yeah and i think it's funny though because even you're right she's not in that conversation a lot but when you do see her pop up you're like oh my god wait i love her yeah that's the thing yeah it's like she's charming i mean and this is i I read a lot of articles um in the guardian or in the independent like british press and they have like very um complicated feelings i guess yeah towards her i didn't know about this yeah i didn't either and it's funny that they're like americans are so charmed by her and i'm like you know what we fucking are okay <laughs> this is why talk to an australian person about nicole kidman it's very interesting <laughs> oh my god what do they think where you don't always get the same kind of reactions that you get here there's a lot of you know a lot a lot of times you'll get that sort of just like oh she thinks she's like too good for us right which is interesting. I mean, honestly, wait. So, what true, did they think so. about Emma Thompson? I'm here. I'm. I'm fascinated. Well, at one point, she was referred to by the British press as the most annoying woman in all of Britain. Wow. Uh, it's because she's so politically outspoken, true. which yeah. is one of the facets I really like about her. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, I watched a full like 15 minute thing on the Guardian about her like 
at the ice caps with her daughter. And I was like, that's fucking cool. And I watched an interview with her where she talked about that because she did it through Greenpeace. And Greenpeace has never done a celebrity ambassador before. And so she talked Ah. about getting on the boat with with the Greenpeace people and then being kind of like, oh, she's a celebrity. But... It was really important <laughs> to her to yeah. to you know get this environmentalist message out there. Yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think it's like she though to me like she is what patriotism like actually should look like. You know, dissent and like pushing it back against like author- authoritarian governments. Yeah. And like really yeah. fighting for like what's good in the world. And so yeah, she's great. I I mean, anyone that can like say fuck off to your government and country and then like still fight for like. Good things is uh, boss. In yeah. Mark. Yeah. She's like 1990s Susan Sarandon before we all got mad. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 10,000%. Um, <laughs> That's okay. such a good. I, I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> Settle into that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Should we get into our rewind? Absolutely. I had the very lucky um, job this episode to uh, get into. Emma Thompson's past, and I think she's uh, so interesting. People mostly know her because she's like cunning and witty, and like has this very specific sense of humor. It all comes from like the way she was raised. So um, she was born in Paddington, London, on um, April fifteenth, nineteen fifty nine. Her mom is Philidia. Is that how you say it? I think it's Philida. Philida. Philida Law. I think you're our guest. We will defer to you. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. I've I've heard that before. Um, She's a Scottish actress, and she also is in a lot of um, Emma's movies um, through her career. Um, Her father is uh, English, Eric Thompson, who um, was also involved in theater, um, and he was a writer of a popular children's TV series called The Magic Roundabout. Um, So, fun fact about the Magic Roundabout, please. It was originally a French show. There was about 200 episodes, and his task was to take it in a very Power Rangers y sort of way and rewrite it to redub it in English. And he hated the show. (laughs) And he thought the guy that created the show was a big idiot. She talked about it in an interview, actually. My father, who hated the French um, (laughs) openly, uh, was very rude, in fact, to Serge Dono, who created those puppets. There was never much warmth between them and no, uh, he would sit at this funny little um, machine which he would work with his foot and it was a uh, reel to reel and he would sit writing these scripts as a little girl I watched I stood at his feet watching him just sitting there with these headphones on with this old machine for hours and hours and hours on and is that how he scripted it and that, that was yeah. how he scripted okay. it he just watched the pictures and made things up <laughs> Which, as you think about it, screenplay writing is the same thing, only the other way around. I just like the idea of a magic roundabout, like a traffic circle (laughs) where, like, you go around it and, like, your car transforms into, like, a Voltron cat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, honey, that's what they used to call me on the corner, the magic roundabout. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're dumb. I, Joe, I wish you could see like the smug smile on Gavin's face right now as he said, oh, honey, this roundabout's been magic in French and English. Um, the family lived in West Hampstead in North London, um, where she went to school at the Camden School for Girls. She spent a lot of her time in Scotland. I think t- to this day, she still has a, a very strong like Scottish uh, pride within her. Uh, she was intrigued by language and literature, uh, which she attributes to her father, who clearly, obviously, shared a love for words. I mean, I think by the time I was 16, I discovered that one of the only ways to stop people from 
punching you or pulling your plait or telling you were fat and had a posh accent um, was by, you know, being mucking around and being funny. And also by that time I discovered Monty Python, you see. And they got me through school. I used to sit under the stairs and just perform those sketches. She took her A-levels in English, French and Latin. So, overachiever much? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she uh, got an English degree at Cambridge um, in 1977. She, like, always knew that she wanted to become an actress. She thought, yeah, it's going to happen. And at Cambridge, she was, I think, the first woman ever um, that was accepted into the, what are they called? The, the foot- Footlights. The Footlights. Yeah. Right, yes. Um, which is, like, a super famous hoity-toity. Like, an improv group. Yeah. Like, one that people like. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's like when your friends invite you to their show and you're like, oh my God, I'll see if I can make it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm I just I'm out of town that right, night. Right. Just that night. Right. Though, like. <laughs> During this time, though, in college, she said she was surrounded by creative people. And I don't think it would ever have gone any other way, really, talking about her becoming an actress. She explains in an interview how she discovered the book, The Mad Woman in the Attic, which yes. is about Victorian female writers and the disguises they took on in order to express what they wanted to express. That completely changed my life. And I've read a lot about how she became like this true punk kid yeah. with like shaved hair. Yeah, and she dyed it shock red. Yeah, and, and we're just like, um, and she, a true queen standing another queen. She said she wanted to be like Lily Tomlin. Hello? Put a pin in. Oh, that's adorable. I know. Put a pin in that because when is that episode coming? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so uh, the Footlights is the, the universe, the Cambridge's most prestigious um, sketch group. And uh, she's there with Stephen Fry. She's yes. there with Hugh Laurie. Yes. Uh, right. Who she right. dated for a little bit. Which I see and I ship. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, what a handsome couple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had her nickname, Emma Talented. <laughs> Imagine. That's funny. It's funny. And it's also for like a comedy. Very concert. uninspired. Yeah, exactly. Come on, guys. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, in 1980, she was even their vice president. And um, she co-directed the troupe's first all-female review, Woman's Hour. Um, it's really here at the Footlights where she's laying the groundwork for um, her entire career. Because, uh, like you mentioned, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, a lot of her early work um, is involved with them also. Yeah. In, even after they graduated. The, um, there's they, so many TV specials. Yes. Uh, sketch comedy. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Mr. Hophouse, I cannot believe my ears! Mm, they, they do rather stick out, don't they? <laughs> Her nose that baffles me. <laughs> this is like the peak of their powers. Like, I mean, they're young. They're like doing weird shit. If you go on YouTube and just like type in Al Fresco, Emma Thompson, she, it, it is full on Kate McKinnon, you know, like yeah. level um, sketch yeah. comedy. It's so funny because like this like particular sketch group, there's a lot of lore about it because, her, you know, Emma Thompson, obviously, but also like Hugh Laurie and, and, and uh, Stephen Fry went on to do their own very popular sort of, like, sketch yep. show on TV. And then, like, everybody sort of went on from this to become famous. And it really makes me want to see them all, like, collaborate on a project now. I you know what I mean? love that yeah. so Like, much. make a movie together or something. Because, like, I love Stephen Fry. I think Stephen Fry is, like, one of the most interesting people. Yeah, me too. And... I don't know. I just feel like it's interesting. It would be very interesting to see like what they would all sort of a remake of Peter's Friends, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, I can just imagine that amount of brain power. Yeah, and um, and just like the confidence they all have in the things that they um did and ended up doing. Um, 
1985, uh, Emma was cast in a West End uh, revival of the musical Me and My Girl. Um, and uh, it was the breakthrough in her career. Um, the production had rave reviews. Um, she said she played the role for 15 months and then she was exhausted and remarked, I thought if I did the fucking Lambeth walk one more time, I was going to fucking throw up. <laughs> so she, she she left the show, you know, on her own terms. <laughs> um, and the following year was when she wrote and starred in her um, one-off special for Channel 4, Up for Grabs. Um in 1987, she had another breakthrough, and that's when she had two television miniseries, uh, miniseries uh, debut, Fortunes of War, co-starring her later husband, Kenneth Branagh. Good old K. Bran. Um, as the kids call him. As the, the yeah, kids yeah. would call him. <laughs> it was very that. popular amongst them. Um, and Tutti Fruity, which was a dark comedy about a Scottish rock band. Oh, and, and this is when she writes her own uh, sketch comedy series for the BBC called Thompson, um, and it was a flop. Um, which is very bizarre. I, w- I wish I knew like more dramaturgy about um, this one woman show that she tried to really get off the ground, but um, for whatever reason, fell flat on its face. Um, Ken and M, as they were called, Kenneth and Emma, <laughs> um, they kind of became like this power it couple in the, the UK. Um, but also, like we mentioned with the um, tabloids and the press, they were also very looked upon as like, oh, these beautiful, talented assholes think they're too good for us. And um, all their work is very like high minded. And <laughs> I mean, but that's like, ugh, maybe that's just because we're dumb Americans. And we're like, it's so fucking fun. And a yeah. British person like makes fun of us. <laughs> like, we love it. We're like, she's part <laughs> of the upper class. We like it. Uh-huh. Um, Emma's first cinematic appearance came in the romantic comedy The Tall Guy in 1989. I saw this. Yes. How did you feel about that? It uh, it's not great, okay. Bob. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, it's her and Jeff Goldblum who sh- oh my God. are yeah very funny together, and mm-hmm. it's it's actually um, I suddenly can't think of his name, but the guy that wrote and directed Love Actually, oh um, Richard Curtis. Richard, Richard Curtis. Curtis. It was his first script. And it's very clear that he thought it was very smart. Oh, okay. And that's the <laughs> big issue with the film. Okay. So, yeah. Something we okay. definitely don't see later again in Love Actually, yeah, but fine. absolutely not. But she plays a nurse, and he's a comedian, and that's that's pretty much all you need to know about it. All these weeks I've been coming here, I've, I've been wanting to ask you something. What I really want to know is, what's your name? Kate. Lemon. Sorry, name. No, not at all. Uh, it could have been worse. It could have been called Hitler or Tampon or something. Later that year, she also uh, played Princess Catherine in Kenneth Branagh's screen adaptation of Henry V. Um, I remember seeing that in college and thinking that movie fucking slapped. So <laughs> it does have. I've still never seen it. Really? I, I, it, it, it got deprioritized. Yeah. I sort of. No. I had to make a calculation of how big her role in in it was so she does henry v but in the 90s is when she really is like getting attention in the states american writer and critic james monaco says that um emma thompson and kenneth branagh um led the british cinematic onslaught in the 90s we were talking about this earlier um emma thompson was in impromptu with judy davis and hugh grant yes in 91 and she's great in it she's very like she she plays a 
upper class woman who throws a party and chaos ensues at her party and she but the she's like flighty and gossipy and it's just sort of the the like you you rarely get to see because in america she does have this reputation of being kind of hoity-toity that even when she's being funny in america it still feels like it's coming from an intellectual place yeah and i feel like impromptu was the only time i've ever seen her be like real just flighty on camera yeah it feels like a like the clip that you showed me it feels like a mean girl but like yeah. from you know back in the day you'll be getting up before dawn for the duel so i shall sleep in my own bed tonight mm. oh i do wish i could be there tomorrow you will make sure nobody's killed won't you i abhor killing but a good fight something to see she got a best supporting um female nomination at the independent spirit awards um, for that movie um, well, directed by James Lapine too. I didn't realize. Yes, and it was his first film, and it's weird because it, you can tell he's a theater director, but he definitely like he had a Ken Loachness about him that I think if he'd gotten a chance to ah. spend more time as a director, it would have been more interesting. But it, it, you know, he's he has theater to do, man. So I'm bi- very busy. Yeah. Um. Later that year, she um is again in a movie with her. Um. I don't know if they're married by this point. They're they are a couple. Um, with Kenneth and um, I, this might be her first American accent uh, in debt again. Yes. Um, in 1991, I read in this article that they're like Americans thought it was brilliant. Um, Hancock stuff in Britain, we thought it was a farce, and I was like, huh, really? Yeah. Man, Brits gotta get over it, man. With <laughs> Emma first Thompson, of all, get over it. <laughs> yeah. In 1992, though, is when um things like get really serious for Emma Thompson. She was cast um in Howard's End with Anthony Hopkins and Vanessa Redgrave. Um, uh, and, and Howard's End was this like big period drama uh, directed by Merchant Ivory um, based on the novel by Ian Forster. When you think of Emma Thompson, you think of these period pieces where she is just giving the full, you know, wearing the dresses, giving the, the speeches and monologues um, and, be, and, be, and being that bitch. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, she wins her first Oscar. Um, for as in, is it lead or supporting? It's lead. lead. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very casual. I I, uh, I had told Louis right before this that um I and planning for this I was like I'm going to rewatch Howard's End because it's been forever since I saw it and I got 15 minutes in and I was like I have fully never seen this film. Yeah, I <laughs> thought it was. I thought. The remains of the day was Howard's End. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, and oh, I thought wow. that for about fifteen years. Listeners, I got to tell you, those two movies are very similar, <laughs> <laughs> at least in aesthetic. I mean, the, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're Merchant Ivory films, so they... they're both Merchant Ivory, yeah. and they were within a year of each other. Right. Yeah. yeah, and Anthony Hopkins is also in The Remains of the Day. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, in Howard's End, um, she plays, you know, this what's the like the thing that sets off the whole thing she's like new money essentially she comes from a family of like new money right um and who is like her and her sister her and her sister played by helena bottom carter Uh yes helena bottom drama (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll get to that she knows what she did very much so uh, yeah, you mean you mean hell at a bottom Becky with the good hair? Yeah, very that. Ah! Um, but uh, the yeah. the movie, I mean, it's a big hit. Um, it receives nine Academy Award nominations, um, and among its three wins was the one that she won. She also got the Golden Globe and BAFTA. Um, she won everything that yeah. year. She swept like all the critics' awards. She was everything that year. Schlegel, Margaret, I don't think you quite understand. Well, yes. Indeed, yes. I'm asking you to be my wife. Yes, I know. I know. Are you offended? 
How could I be? Well, perhaps I should have written first. I... No, no, rather you will receive a letter from me. Thank you. Not at all. And it's you, I thank. And it's funny because all the reviews coming out of that movie were just like, oh, Emma Thompson can do shit without Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. And she is a force. Yeah. And, and reality was out to prove that, I know, too. yes. <laughs> they were like, oh, you want an Oscar on this movie with Helena Bonham Carter? Who's getting it on with your... I think they must have been married by then. They yes. Must have been married. Yeah, they were definitely married by then. They were yes. married by the time yeah, they, they did were. Dead Again. So. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, true. Great. Um... So, and then her next two films, she returns to working with Kenneth. Um, she does the aforementioned Peter's Friends uh, with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Um, this movie is basically like Footlights, the movie. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. friends coming back together. I had never seen this movie, and I was so excited to watch it, and I really enjoyed it. But towards the end, spoiler alert, I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, this movie is definitely about him having AIDS. Yep. Yep. And it's it's the easiest secret to suss out as you're watching the movie. You're just like, I know what year this was made in. Right. It's like, like as, I know what's about to happen. As soon as you realize, oh, it's like the early 90s and like he has a secret, I'm like, okay. Yep. She followed that with uh, Much Do About Nothing, which I've talked about, I don't know, a thousand times on this yeah. show. Um, Between Michael Keaton, Keanu Reeves, and Emma Thompson, we're just eventually going to yeah. hit everybody. Yeah, we're going to hit everybody. <laughs> that cast is really something else, it really though. Is. It's a really good... I feel like every time there's a movie version of Much Ado About Nothing, it's like, oh, well, let's just cast a billion awesome people. Yeah. There's like a lot of good roles. Yeah, because, it's good. And, and, and that's the thing. Like Every role is so good and fun. Like Even if you're like the villain or like Michael Keaton's role is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Michael Keaton yeah. reprising his role of Beetlejuice. Yes. Every time I watch that movie, and it has been many times, I forget that Michael Keaton comes along, and then he like gives you the most bonkers performance. I was like, ugh, I love that movie so much. Keanu Keanu gets to struggle with accents. Yes. It's everything we like to see. But Keanu gets like a nice deep V, like open tunic. Yes, ugh, yes true. So they, uh, the movie is widely praised. I wonder that you will still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What, my dear lady Disdain? Are you yet living? Is it possible Disdain should die while she had such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must convert to Disdain if you come in her presence. Then it's courtesy a turncoat. But it is certain I am loved of all ladies, only you accepted. And I would I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart. For truly, I love none. A dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God and my cold blood I am of your humor for that. I had rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. She returned to uh, uh, teaming up with Merchant Ivory, um, and Anthony Hopkins to film The Reigns of the Day. This is still 1993, guys. She yeah. was a busy girl. Um, also, yeah. I have to mention that she... Um, I want to say, did she do the screenplay for Much Ado About Nothing? I feel like she did. Yeah, she co- co-wrote it with yeah. Brenna, I believe. Um, so just, like, painting a full picture. Like, she is not only busy um, killing it in front of the screen, she is currently also writing um, uh, 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 these movies as well. Um the Reigns of the Day, which, again, is another kind of period um, piece. But I think, like, a very interesting period of time, though, because the movie uh, deals, yeah. deals a lot with, like, things are changing, you know, after the war. And people are like, fuck being a gentleman. Fuck high society. Like, we don't care. Um, yeah. I will Also, s- Nazis are coming. R- like, right. it's a, it, there's a lot of that, too. Also, yeah. it's like, oh, so what's it like working for a Nazi sympathizer? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I think I like this movie better than Howard's End, honestly. I think well, it's interesting to compare the two with the, with this and Howard's End because it's Thompson and Hopkins, but their relationship in both of them is very different. And I think the difference in Howard's End being an E.M. Forster novel and then Remains of the Day being a uh, Ishiguro novel mm-hmm. and like the just the difference in the time periods in which they were written, right? Is it's it's Remains of the Day is deceptively old-fashioned looking it's really not there's a lot there's a modern sensibility to it that i think really makes it snap and it really i it it came out in the same year as schindler's list so nothing else was going to (laughs) win the oscar but schindler's list which is kind of i almost wish schindler's list had come out a year later and because then it could have beaten forrest gump but also I feel like 1993 had some really interesting movies in that Best Picture race, but it was Reigns of the Day and The Piano and The Fugitive. And all of those movies might have gotten a little bit more of consideration and, you know, gotten some time in the spotlight if if they hadn't yeah. all been sort of like ready to get steamrolled by um, Spielberg. Um, Emma Thompson has said that the this movie is one of the greatest experiences of her career. And she considers it to be a masterpiece of withheld emotion. I accepted his proposal. I accepted Mr. Ben's proposal of marriage. My congratulations. I am prepared to serve at my notice, but if you were able to release me earlier, I would be grateful. Mr. Ben is planning to leave for the West Country in two weeks' time. I'll do my best. Now, please excuse me. Mr. Stevens. Yes. Am I to take it that after all the years I have been in this house, you have nothing else to say to me? You have my warmest congratulations. It was a, a, a big success, critically and commercially, and and like Joe mentioned, um, you know, it got eight Oscar nominations, including for Best Picture and for uh, Thompson. She also gets an Oscar nomination that very same year for another yep. movie, In the Name of the Father, the mm. Jenna Day-Lewis film, yes. um, for supporting. And fun fact, she loses both of them. Does everybody know what she loses them to? No. Both to the piano, both. the women from the piano. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Anna Paquin stealing it right out on her. A, a, a teen <laughs> Anna Paquin? <laughs> like preteen. Oh, like preteen. She was like... 11 years old yeah. she was really young yeah 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 supporting wow. just like rogue touching her stealing her powers yeah <laughs> we, that was funny because also holly hunter so holly hunter won best actress for the piano that year but she was also nominated twice she was in supporting as well for the firm oh. so it was like a really kind of a wild year where like both holly hunter and thompson are nominated twice thompson had just won the year before so nobody expected her to win in either one of them and and it was wild. That year when they showed the rest of the nominees in the audience, it was exactly like that scene at the end of Wayne's World 2, <laughs> where you just watch each of them mouth, son of a bitch, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a Paquin. Um, I like, Joe, you were like, 93, really wild year, man. Like, it was. Things were like was. really crazy in 93, so. <laughs> um, in 1984, Emma makes her Hollywood debut um, and sh- in, in our favorite movie, Junior, um, starring <laughs> alongside Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, it was a flop. Um, I wonder why. I, yeah, I, <laughs> people didn't want to see a pregnant Arnold? <laughs> Can't believe. Pregnant Arnold, like, giving, like, giving you the word, like, I, 
I hate movies like this where like the joke is like, wouldn't it be funny if a man acted like a woman and not like a woman, yeah. but like stereotypes of women. Yeah. He's like, I want to be cuddled. Right. Oh, I don't know. You, why are you leaving me all alone? <laughs> the, oh, this commercial is making me cry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. I will say, I don't know whether I'm a total sucker or whether the fraught political times that we currently live in have broken me. Mm. But the moment where he's he's running away from the people trying yes. to shut down the experiment, and he goes, my body, my choice. Yes. And I'm like, you're fucking A right, man. <laughs> I was like, so, like... In 1994, Arnold Schwarzenegger the knew. Least, the movie, like, f- shows its cards in a way that I'm just like, yes, you're in, your heart is in the right place, and I like it. So, but total flop, three Golden Globe nominations. Yeah. And... One Oscar nomination for the song, mm-hmm. which is a stupid bad song. The year after that, uh, Thompson is on a roll still. She um, does Sense and Sensibility, which maybe is her most like uh, her like her pinnacle achievement that I think most people would talk about. You know, she uh, was approached to do this adaptation yeah. of Jane Austen's uh, novel. And, and what I love about the approach too was that they approached her because of her comedic work. Yeah. And she hits it out of the park. Yeah. Um, she not only, um, she's in it, but she doesn't take the main, um, role. She, um, who's this woman? Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet, thank Did you. Did you not remember <laughs> Kate Winslet? I kept, I kept wanting to say Kate Blanchett. I was like, I know it's not her. <laughs> Lily. Kate Winslet plays the you main. You are straight for the next month. <laughs> Don't make me. <laughs> what if I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> the main love interest uh, in this movie, though, is played by Kate Winslet. Um, also, speaking of which, um, she, uh, Emma Thompson meets her future current husband, yes. Greg Wise, in this movie. He plays an asshole in this movie. <laughs> he does. Can can we so can we talk about her personal life just real quick then? Yes. yes. So uh, essentially, what happens, and we hinted about it before, but uh, Helena Bottom Carter goes off after they do uh, Howard's, Howard's End together, and she does uh, Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with him. Of and- all awful ass movies to be so important, exactly. All these careers, and she like she essentially. It's never been fully proven, but they were a couple afterwards. Right. But she she ruins Emma Thompson, Kenneth Branagh's marriage. Um, you don't want to say homewrecker, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Right. But Joe will. But I mean, you know, she then later does a Tim Burton movie. Well, I was going to say, I love Helen Bottom Carter, <laughs> yeah. but this is kind of a pattern with her. <laughs> she's Mr. Steelier, man. Yeah, she's very <laughs> Mr. Steelier girl. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but. The, the thing that you mentioned earlier that a lot of Britain at the time sort of knew her as like solely with Kenneth Branagh and I can't imagine that time period that she was like they referred to her as lovey in the mm-hmm. press and everything and they they really thought she was going to falter without him yeah wow and and Sense of Sensibility is such a, a hit I mean she'd already won her Academy Award right but then she gets another for Sense of Sensibility for writing yeah she's the yeah. only person in the history of the Academy that has an Academy Award for acting and for writing yeah that's crazy and it's crazy because it's... she I mean she's adapting a very famous story that's already been done before you know there, yeah there are there are numerous productions of Sense and Sensibility both on screen and stage. Um, and not only did Emma Thompson adapt it, she added things. They like 
pumped up some of the drama and the romance. Um, and she, and, and, the, and the movie is cast with other like legendary, like Alan Rickman. Is this the first time she works with Alan Rickman? I think yes. Because don't quote me on that. D- don't fact check us on that. But <laughs> this is the first time that I saw her with him, and they have a long career. It is. It is. It is. Okay. I think they they made a TV movie at some point, but I think this is the first. Um, um, R.I.P. Alan. I know. God. Um. And so they're in. They he's in this movie. Um. Uh, like we said, Kate Winslet's in this movie. Um. Greg Wise, who she meets there, and she, they eventually get married and have kids, and he's, they're still together. He's. Nine years her junior, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's young. I know he he is foxy AF. Oh yeah, they look good together. Yeah. They're a um, handsome couple. I will also say about Sense and Sensibility is if you get a second, go and watch her Golden Globes yes. acceptance speech. Yes. I was waiting. Which she, I, I was literally not bringing this up because I wanted you to bring it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> she delivers the speech. She sort of you know makes her like uh, initial sort of thank yous, but then she pulls out um a piece of paper and it's. You know, she went to Jane Austen's uh, uh, gravesite or whatever, and she spoke to to Jane, and Jane wanted me to convey this message to you. And so then she like delivers the rest of this acceptance speech, like in like as Jane Austen, yep. Mr. Ang Lee of foreign extraction, who most unexpectedly appeared to understand me better than I understand myself. Mr. James Seamus, a most copiously erudite person, and Miss Kate Winslet, beautiful in both countenance and spirit. Mr. Pat Doyle, a composer and a Scot who displayed the kind of wild behaviour one has learned to expect from that race. (laughs) Mr. Mark Kenton, an energetic person with a ready smile who, as I understand it, owes me a great deal of money. (laughs) True. Miss Lisa Henson of Columbia, a lovely girl, and Mr. Gareth Wigan, a lovely boy. P.S. managed to avoid the Whedon, Emily Tompkinson, who has purloined my creation and added things of her own. Nefarious creature. Thank you. It's such a flex, too, because it's just like, you're already giving me this award for adapting the words of Jane Austen, and then I'm going to accept it by, like, just casually writing another whole, like, in the voice of Jane Austen story. It's amazing. It's so good. She didn't win um, the Oscar for acting. She won it for writing, but she did win her second BAFTA award for acting um, and the Golden Globe for Best Screenplay. And she's like, take that, you fucking lovies. Uh huh. <laughs> she returned to America to appear in an episode of Ellen, um, where she won a prime. Can I talk about this episode of Ellen? I fucking love this episode of Ellen. I've never it's seen it. It's so good. Okay, so this was the season after Ellen came out, right? And it only that show only lasted one more season right. after she came out because America got really weird about it. Mm-hmm. But so a lot of that season, by her coming out, because the come out episode, if you remember, Laura Dern's in yeah, it, right. Oprah's in it. Like, it's very much like the celebrity sort of, like, you know, arrived to support Ellen at this point. Which, like, she has, you know, t- carried throughout her career. She's very sort of, like, surrounded by celebs always. So, um, this episode, Ellen, I think, works for a talk show. She's, like, something, right? Whatever. Like, she's she works for this talk show. And Emma Thompson plays herself, who's going to show up in this talk show. And you think the 
the crux of the episode is she tells Ellen, I want to come out on this episode of television. This is going to be, so it was this whole sort of like meta thing where like they were doing a lot of commentary about like, you know, what it was like for Ellen to come out and whatever. And then about two thirds of the way into the episode, the turn is Emma admits that she's got another even more horrible secret, which is that she's not English at all. She's from Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) So no regrets. You have got to be kidding. I have never been happier. It's, it's, it's like I'm living a whole new life. All right, Thompson. Come on, let's go. Back to work. You want to cut me some slack here? I'm on a break. Oh, yeah? You'll be on a boat back to France if you don't shake a leg. Okay, okay. Well, she wins uh, another Emmy Award for this. Can I talk real quick about one other TV appearance that actually Please. occurs slightly before this? Please. Uh, she famously plays... Uh, Fraser Crane's first yes. wife on she's Cheers. So oh. She's so good. Yeah, she plays Nanette Guzman. Guzman. Um, and she really wants to fuck him. And then later... Uh, but this, she's like a children's yes. like uh, TV show host. Yes, so she's absolutely. Like this like sweet as pie thing, but also she's super horny for Frasier. Yes. And Lilith um, is Attacks so her. incredibly jealous of her. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such so a good, good episode. And I, I will I will die for any BB Newworth Emma Thompson crossover. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, my 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 oh my. Well, I was going to start by singing the Doodlebug song. Instead, I want to begin by singing a very special song for a very wonderful boy. And the moon... Why is she looking directly at you? She isn't looking at me. She's looking in the general direction of our loving family. I think she's singing the song to you, Fraser. Oh, you're being paranoid. She's singing a lovely song to a two-year-old child. The first time ever I lay But what's funny is uh, Nanette Guzman appears only twice more on the TV show Frasier, once in a flashback played by somebody else I can't remember. But then Laurie Metcalf. That's Laurie Metcalf. I was going to say. And then Laurie Metcalf plays her the third time later. And it's so good to imagine one character that got to be yeah. both Emma Thompson and yeah. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. Queens. It's great. Standing Queens. <laughs> Um, for her second Hollywood role, uh, she uh, is with John Travolta in Mike Nichols' Primary Colors. Yes. This is in 1998. Um, they're basically playing Bill and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was based on a tell-all book. I remember when this happened. It was written by oh, Anonymous. Oh, sensation. This oh, yeah. Was Anonymous, sensation yeah. at the time. And it's all about the early Clinton campaign. And I didn't rewatch this because I just... I've. I'm still in election, election fatigue yeah. from the last yeah. one. I didn't rewatch it because I've seen it approximately 200 times. <laughs> I see it every single time it's on television, which is quite often. I, I love it. I, She's amazing. I had never seen it, um, but I did for this. And I, reader, I gotta say, I was not a fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I can. It's it's definitely in loving it. I accept a lot of flaws. But Emma specifically, her version of Hillary is not very, it's, she's not doing an impression. Yeah, which right. Travolta, Travolta is, doing is an impression. literally doing his best little Arkansas, like right. sleazeball right. moment. Um, but Emma is so good at making this a character and making this, like, sort of woman who has had to become calculating because of her sort of role in this man's life, right? And this thing that they want to do and this thing they want to build. But there's a scene in the middle of the movie where they're at some sort of like 
barbecue in Arkansas or whatever, like, and she's sort of just, like, it's the part where, like, everybody's sort of, like, letting their hair down, and they're all dancing, and she dances the mommest dance (laughs) you have ever seen in your entire life. It makes me laugh so much. It's so good. If you want to draw a political lesson from that about Jack Stanton's character, here it is. He will stick. He will work through the tough times. He will wake up every morning and bust his butt for the American people. Bust his butt the mouth on her. Nobody's You should just take her in hand. The movie is, um, is uh, critically uh, well-received, but it's kind of a flop, does not make a lot of money. Um, yeah. But um, after her, you know, Americans were blown away by her accent work and her performance. And so she got a lot of Hollywood um, offers and she rejected a lot of them. Yeah. Most of them. She was like, yeah, she goes on kind of like a break from from after that point. Yeah, she's just like is not interested in living in L.A. She's, you know, she is through and through a London girl. Um, so, um, she, you know, she follows that up with um, Judas Kiss in 1998, also with um, Alan Rickman. Yeah, which is a flop, a flop. Um, she became a mother in 1999. Uh, her and Greg have their first uh, their daughter, um, Gaia is her name. Um, and so she makes a conscious decision to reduce her workload. Um, and so a lot of her appearances um, after that are really small supporting things. In 2001, though, she takes on a huge part in the HBO television film Wit, um, which is just a devastation of a movie. Yeah, it's a uh, and she she like brings Mike Nichols onto the project. They rewrite the script, but not. I don't want to, like, they, they don't change a lot of the dialogue. Mm. They just restructure the way it's presented to make it more filmic and right. less theatrical. Right. So Wit is um, a Pulitzer Prize winning play um, by Margaret Edson. Um, and it is about, uh, you know, a, a doctor um, uh, who gets cancer. And yeah. It's this she's, journey. Well, she's a professor. She's professor. A, yeah. Right. Um, she, she's uh studies metaphysical poetry like it's, yeah. it's a very complex well like there's like that great line where they're like doctor and she's like yes yeah <laughs> uh, phd and it really isn't um until love actually where she shows up again what's that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very small film uh, most notable for it's kelly clarkson um power ballad <laughs> um but so she's in richard curtis's uh love actually richard curtis we talked about when she was in her first movie, The Tall Guy, um, she plays um, a wife, mother, um, sister to Hugh Grant, who is the prime minister. Correct. Um, Alan Rickman is her um, cheating yeah. husband. Oh, that philanderer. Yes. I know. Um, She's like, I don't know what this is like at all. <laughs> um, How are you, Ken? Joe, where do you land on the Love Actually debate? Uh, I'm very, 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 very pro Love Actually. Excellent, I really excellent. Adore that movie, and she's my favorite part of it. She's she is the standout. We Chris and I have been doing a mini series of uh 2003 movies from mm, yes, of course. Uh, on this head Oscar buzz, and we didn't do Love Actually because we feel like that sort of that can be its own sort of thing. Yeah. But we talked about who would be on, who would have been on our ballots if we uh had been making it's lists back absolutely then. Absolutely, her. She's on both of our supporting actor ballots. She's so 
incredibly wonderful. She has that very, very famous scene Ugh, don't. where uh, he, he, she discovers that this uh, piece of jewelry that she saw, that she sort of spied him buying at the mall, and she's expecting to get it as a gift, and then he gives her this Joni Mitchell CD instead, and so she knows now that he's bought this gift for some other woman, and she retreats into the bedroom and has like this very brief and controlled breakdown where she knows she only has a moment because then they have to go and take the kids to this pageant and it's devastating it's... to know how much she is holding back but like even just like watching what does escape onto her face it's so it's such good acting it's one of those things where it's just like you can tell you i'm sure that like you can tell it's just like well time to act right but also like <laughs> it's done so well she, it's basically the movie being like now watch some fucking acting yeah she but is it's the, done the so supreme. well and it fits so well into the story and then they play totally they play the Joni mitchell behind her doing it's it. cover of both sides now which is very sort of like sad oh. and smoky and it's so wonderful um, yes she said in 2013 that she gets commended for this role specifically more than any other i'm billy i believe it and she yep. says i've had so much bloody practice at crying in a bedroom than having to go out and be cheerful <laughs> gathering up the pieces of my heart and putting them in a drawer i i am pro love actually as well i watch it every christmas time um my parents love it it's like my one of my parents like they are our, our sort of christmas canon at home yes very that. is <laughs> very that um it's home alone Love Actually and The Family Stone. Like, those are the the ones. Excellent. That's like a trinity of Christmas um, bangers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gavin, where do you land on the Love Actually? What happens after Love Actually? I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any conversation about Love Actually, there has to be at least there one. Must be one. Yeah. There must be one. That's me so in the corner. you fulfilling the universal duty <laughs> yeah. for it. So, My name yeah. is Gavin. Um, later in 2003, she's also in Imagining Argentina, uh, where she's a supporting role with Antonio Banderas. I did not watch this. Anyone? Anyone? This was directed I, by Christopher. I didn't watch it either, but I, it's directed by Christopher Hampton, the playwright. The famous wrote, playwright and mediocre director. Oh, this movie was booed and jeered at when it f- screened at the Venice yes. Film Festival. She returns to HBO for um, the miniseries Angels in America in 2003. Oh, she plays the titular role. The titular angel. <laughs> the titular role, indeed. Yeah. It's so funny because I think of... Like, wit is such a, like, powerful thing on its own. And then in many ways, I sometimes think of it, oh, that, that was the Mike Nichols, Emma Thompson movie before Angels in America. Angels in America is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's, the like, it's my number one sort of, like, work of any kind of uh, fiction ever. It's so, so, so good. And the it's movie a- version is such a good adaptation yes, of it. Yes, that's exactly what I was uh, just going to say. It's a beautiful adaptation of something that I, I think... In a in a lesser hand would have been did Mike a Nichols disaster. What's that? Did Mike Nichols also do this? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Mike Nichols, and it's like, and it draws upon all of like his great relationships with actresses. Where it's Emma, it's Meryl Streep, hello, it's Mary Louise Parker. I watch it all the time. It's this like six hour <laughs> like sprawling thing, and I watch it so often for a yeah. six hour thing. It's just like, are you okay, Joe? <laughs> I no, I, I I get very moved. By it. <laughs> it's it's very good though. Yeah, so the I great work yeah. continues, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in two thousand four, she joins every other British actor ever to um, pl- play a character in the Harry Potter films. Yes, she um, is. Sybil Trelawney, um, famously a mediocre um, uh, 
psychic psychic woman clairvoyant clairvoyant that's Um, the word she she only plays that character in three of the 97 films is it something like that yeah yeah Yeah. i will say and in one of them the last one it's she's basically just like in this big sort of giant scene right exactly hello yeah yeah whatever the movie is where she like gets fired by that bitch in pink that's Five? A, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a heartbreaking of a scene where she's like, this is my home. Since 16 years I've, I've lived and taught here, Hogwarts is my home. I can't do this. Actually, I can. Her Peter's Friends co-star, Imelda Stomp. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Turning her out in the cold like that. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, she's like, let's see you play Vera Drake. Hello. <laughs> she says she's called her time on the franchise, quote, great fun. <laughs> which, who, did which, she say that or did her agent say that? I was like, typed up men. I was like, memo. is that a read? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure those movies for all of those people is fun to do because oh, yeah. you go, you show up for your like two days. Yeah. yeah. You see all your old friends from like, you know, other like West End productions or whatever. Like, she and Maggie can say hi, and right. she and, you know, whatever, and yeah. then you go home. It's, and yeah, and it's gotta be obviously, lovely. you know, we've, we've talked great friends with Alan Rickman, too. And so, yes, yeah. of course. And, but and she awesome. and Branna were in different Harry yeah. Potter I movies. I was just going to say, you know what's really funny is that, like, both Branna and Helena Bottom Carter just, yeah. like, hanging out the edges of the... <laughs> They're... Well, and Helena and Emma have both, I think, met, talked in the press about how they sort of have long since patched up their whole thing. And, good for them. Um, which I think is fun. I I like the idea of them being on friendly terms with each other, but not either one of them being on friendly <laughs> yes. terms with Kenneth, which I don't know if that's the truth, but that's my truth. And yeah. I will live in yeah. it we, as long as I can. That's the the path that we take. Yeah. Um, in 2005, um, a project that... Emma Thompson had been working on for nine years, finally it's released, um, and that is Nanny McPhee, where she plays the titular nanny. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. And I had never seen, there are two of these movies, yes. I never seen any, I saw the first one. Um, they're charming and good yeah. for a kid's movie, you know, like very Matilda-esque. So these come out around the time, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show before, I have a 20-year-old niece, so she was born when I was 14, and... Um, uh, these came out at like the perfect time for her. So I've actually seen both multiple times mm-hmm. and I do really like them. And it made me happy that Emma Thompson sort of had her own Mary Poppins and actually like kind of a cl- like, I know it's not based off Mary Poppins. I know it's a different thing, but it kind of a closer to the Mary Poppins of the books minus mm. the racism. Cause the books are a little racist. Okay. Oh, uh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but like a much closer to that character than the Disney movie because Mary's kind of big old biatch in the in yeah, the books. Yeah, Mary's not. Mary's a little mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, the movie's a huge hit. Uh, this you know, um, spawning its sequel. Um, l- the following year, she appears in the comedy drama. Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. We can skip ahead a little bit. Uh, in 2008, she does Last Chance Harvey, also with Dustin Hoffman, um, which I think is a cute like movie for the AARP crowd. Shout out to the AARP Awards, Joe. It won mm. for Best Grown-Up Love Story. There you go. Which is exactly right. It should yeah, have. Feels right. I was going to say, if there's something needs to win, it's Last Chance Harvey. Yeah. Um, she's uh, supporting a role in an, an Education, The Boat That Rocked. Can I just back up like half a second to Brideshead Revisited really quickly? Yes, sure. 
because she's really good in that, but also that cast is great in yes. a way that, like, it was the first, it might have been the first thing I ever saw Ben Washaw in. Oh. Um, it was one of the first things I ever saw Matthew Good in. It was the first thing I saw Haley Atwell in. So, like, if you have, if anybody hasn't seen that, that adaptation of Brideshead Revisited, it didn't get, like, a ton of attention, but, like, it's worth watching. It's really it good. And I she's, think. she's really good. I, she's actually my favorite part in it. Um, but it's it's a hard novel to adapt. A, a critic said yes. that Emma Thompson is to some extent becoming the new Judy Dench as the person who kind of comes in for 15 minutes and is brilliant, but when she goes away, the rest of the movie has a real problem living up to the wattage of her presence. An education feels that way for me sometimes. That yeah. is where, some... like I keep wanting them to return to her character cuz she like she's the one who like tells hard truths to Carrie Mulligan's character and I'm like yeah more of that. P- please. I, I, so- someone tell Carrie. God. Um <laughs> Uh, me and Gavin briefly talked about the song of lunch before we started, um, uh, which is like a poem that they made into this kind of movie episode thing on BBC TV. Um, it, it, there are no two greater voices than this because yeah. a lot of the movie is in narration between uh, a lot of it is Alan Rickman. He's right. reciting he's the, the poem. focal point. He's yeah. reciting the poem. Uh, but like I could just listen to both of them talk. Yeah. And there, talk. There's something absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking about this and once again it's a film adaptation of a poem yeah uh but, but it's it's i i love it it's it's like 50 minutes yeah that um and it's she really got a, her fourth emmy nomination for that yeah how long has it been 10 years 11 15 no it can't be that let's settle for 12 and we've only got lunch in which to tell each other everything so for a moment, he withholds, mouth full of paws. In 2012, she made a choice and was in Men in Black 3. Um, I hear that got she... Got that paycheck, I'm sure. Got yeah. that paycheck. She will be in the new one coming yeah, up. This is the summer of Thompson, but we'll get to that. We'll yeah. To that. Uh, she was a voice in Brave. Um the the Scottish divisive movie. It's like the most divisive Pixar movie yeah. I find. If you could change your fate, would you? Um, <laughs> yeah, we all wanted better for Brave, but it's 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 canon. Yeah, um, hashtag better for Brave. Thank you. <laughs> um, in 2013, she um, is briefly in Beautiful Creatures, which yeah, she is. We talked about for our vampire, episode? our witch episode, our witch episode. Uh, yeah, she's so. She is chewing every yeah. bit of scenery in that movie, and she's loving it. I was going to say, she's the it. only one having uh, so much fun in that movie. And, oh, we also did oh, talk about it for... I think everybody's having fun. I love that no, movie. We... I fucking love that movie. It's Viola so Davis. Viola Davis is also in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Joe. I feel like everyone... in that movie. Oh, I forgot Eileen about Margaret. You're right, you're right. Wait, yeah. who's... Margot Martindale is wearing a full-ass peacock on her head yeah. in that movie. There you go. Joe, beautiful creature, Stan. That's... Um, write it on my tomb. Yeah. <laughs> the next um, movie that she comes out is an- another huge, big um, career moment for her. She um, plays P.L. Travers in Saving Mr. Banks. Which is the big Disney tentpole, kind of like navel gazy, like uh, we'll do that on this head Oscar buzz at some point because uh, you better. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's ripe for it. That was one. Yeah. That, I mean, so famously, um, Meryl Streep snatched this spot for uh, an Academy Award nomination from Emma Thompson, and there's a great, yes. um, funny uh, story of how um, Meryl like called her or wrote her a note saying like I'm so sorry, blah blah blah, and Emma just was like. Good. <laughs> um, 
So she plays Peel That's Travers, funny. who wrote the Mary Poppins books, and the whole movie is just about her trying to, uh, or Di- Walt Disney trying to get her to sign over the rights, and she's yeah. famously like kind of a psychotic. Um, yeah, she she is as you mentioned. She's meant she's said that like this was one of the hardest roles in her life because she's never played somebody so inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, it, she clearly had, you know, uh, all this emotional baggage from her, like, life and growing up and how much she loved the character that she had written. Um, and um, Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney, which yeah. is there better casting? I don't know. <laughs> she said that this was, like, <clears throat> she was so delighted to get this script. Critics are saying this is the best she's been in years. <clears throat> you know, like, Emma Thompson's back. She's wasted at the Golden Globes. She's throwing shoes. It's amazing. Oh, everybody loved her. I was like, she's absolutely getting nominated for an Oscar. I don't understand. Like, yeah. Was it then, Dan yeah. who told us that this was the first time um, an actress got a nomination for literally everything and then was shut out of an Oscar nomination? I think, yeah. Um, because she got nominated for a BAFTA, a SAG, and a Golden Globe. Um, yeah. You know, the National Board of Review... <clears throat> and even Meryl Streep said that she was shocked because Meryl Streep got nominated for, I think it was August Osage County? Yeah, that was yeah. August Osage County. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I actually think she's really good in, but I would have nominated Emma as well just because <laughs> she doesn't get as many cracks at that apple. So Yeah, that's insane. I mean, I guess. Go off, Meryl. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she does. She often does. And she often does. In, in same the same year, 2013, she comes out with The Love Punch where she's with um, Pierce Brosnan. They play a divorced couple who... Reunite to steal jewelry. Yeah, that movie's tone is off. That movie is trash. <laughs> uh, but thank the Lord, next year she um, makes her um, first stage appearance in 24 years and her New York debut in a Lincoln Center production of Sweeney Todd. Um, and friends, the PBS arts whatever thing is all on YouTube. Look it up. She's so funny. She, she is. is so good. And she's having a great time doing it. Excellent. And it's what the best part about this is if you see it, <clears throat> they all come on the stage and it's Lincoln Center. It's very stuffy and everyone looks very gorgeous and beautiful. Audra McDonald's is there. Um, <clears throat> and like it starts and they just start ripping off their clothes, breaking shit on stage. And they really set the scene like we're about to fuck some shit up. So changed. Good God. What did they do to you down in bloody Australia or wherever? Where is my wife? Where is Lucy? She poisoned herself. Arsenic from the apothecary on the corner. I tried to stop her, but she wouldn't listen to me. And my daughter? Joanna. He's got her. He? Judge Turpin? He adopted her like his own. You could say it was good luck. (laughs) Almost. She got her sixth Emmy nomination for the televised version of the show. So there you go. In 2015, she's in A Walk in the Woods. We talked about briefly during our Robert Redford. Which I finally watched for this one. I should have watched Robert Redford because she's such a minor role in it. Yeah, um, she's she's not really in it a lot. Um, at, next, she stars um, in uh, Robert Carlyle's directorial debut, The Legend of Barney Thompson. Um, what's this face? Got Th- this is not a good movie. Okay. Oh, okay. But... Highly recommend, even if you can find like a compilation of her clips online, because she plays his. She's like, mom. yeah, she plays his mom. She's like in her seventies. She's wearing a lot of old age makeup. Yep. She's doing the the most the like most. accent that and and it's she's good. <laughs> I I like the movie. Oh really? I hate the title, but like yeah, like nothing called the legend of anyone's boring fucking right. name makes me want to see her movie. I never told you because I knew you couldn't handle the truth. So what's the truth? He moved to Hart Hill and opened a tobacconist's. 
Oh, that hill's only five fucking miles away. See, I knew you'd be like this. Well, why didn't you keep in touch? Maybe he was just like everybody else. Maybe he couldn't be fucking bothered with you either. Um, she co-wrote the screenplay for Bridget Jones's Baby. Right. You know, what's funny is Richard Curtis wrote the other two. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Full circle? Yeah. Kind of. Um... She, in 2017, in, like, maybe one of her highest grossing, maybe the most highest grossing movie she's been in. Uh, I would say, yeah. Is it'd, be hard, it'd be hard to do too many more higher grossing than that. Yeah, is Beauty and the Beast, um, which is whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's a piece of crap of a movie, but, yes. like... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joe. She's wonderful. Um, she's... I did not watch this, but she's allegedly in the Meyerowitz stories. I did oh, watch I it. I love her in the Meyerowitz stories. She's so stories. good in it, too. Okay, I'm not... Is. Um, I am not a Noah Baumbach fan, and uh, I like anytime she was on screen, I thought that like it, the material was lifted. So I love I love this movie just in general. So Emma's character is this very particular kind of a woman who she's their father's new wife, right? But she's sort of she's prickly, but also kind of like needy in a weird way, and yeah. then like when. Dustin Hoffman as the father sort of falls ill. Her relationship with the sons becomes adversarial, but she's not a villain either. Right. We need to be able to talk to Dr. Sony. Dr. Sony looks very much like a chum of mine at university who became an art looter, but that's of no use to you. No. Absolutely none. I'll get the information and you can ask me. Email might be best if we're going to be in Rochester. I'm here. Danny's I'm here. I'm here. If you have a family that has sort of like many sort of like tendrils and remarriages and whatever like there's one of this woman in your family yeah. somewhere and, she, and she's also like a quiet drunk like you get she's the a quiet drunk is the other thing yes. yeah the part where she sort of like slowly rolls her car into a tree yes it's really funny that kind of brings us to where we are now um you know she like we said she's got um a late night coming out i just want to really briefly talk about her um activism she is very politically minded um people have even said that they would not be surprised if they see her kind of like in the role like of glenda jackson who takes a seat in parliament even um she is super liberal um supporter of the labor party because clearly there's such an abyss between people and and that that conversation you know whatever you call it the north south the rich poor we're living in a country where rich people are getting richer and poor people are getting poorer that's happening in my country too So Emma Thompson, she has said, uh, quote, I'm an atheist. I regard religion with fear and suspicion. It's not enough to say that I don't believe in God. I actually regard the system as distressing. I'm offended by some of the things that things said in the Bible and the Quran, and I refute them. So she, I mean, and we talked about this earlier, you know, she um, is very outspoken. Um, The press love to give her shit for being outspoken. She says, what I feel is that we all need to speak up. And a woman who has got a louder voice needs to shout very loudly indeed. Um, she's super involved with human act, human rights work. She dragged fucking Hardy Weinstein to hell and back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, she, she very famously just left an animated film yes. that uh, Sony was releasing because yes. they hired John Lasseter. Yeah, um, she said, "I think the fuck not." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she said that ever since she pu- published the letter, because she very publicly published her reasons for quitting, mm-hmm. um, that other women that have quit 
that uh, Sony and Sony's animation division have come to her and told her thank you, you know, because they wow. and she and she said like obviously it's not very brave of me to do it because she's fine. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm famous. I I get work right. It's but this is yeah the livelihood of these women right. Um and yeah, like you mentioned, she's super involved with um also just like climate stuff um all around just like a super trooper human being um one one last thing uh on her uh activism slash personal life uh she actually has another child right of, yeah of in two thousand three her and her husband adopted a Rwandan orphan and a former child soldier yep. because it's fucked up yep uh his name's uh Tinyebwa Agabe. And uh, he was 16 at the time. They invited him to spend Christmas. And she's talked about, like, it's it was, like, a feeling. Because she says other people have questioned why she felt she had to adopt him, why he couldn't just be a family friend. I think that the family relationship occurred completely organically. That yes. It was clear that that's what it was somehow. It was a... Mm. It was not a... I mean, we are very, very close friends, but we're also mother and son. Yes. And that's... That's developed. It developed, hasn't it? Of, you know, it developed. Um, you know, it didn't just happen in no, one. No, it's not a decision that you just sort of make. So it, it, it uh, gradually happened, and as you say, organically. Mm. I love that she, like, she has these great, the street cred of coming through, like, you know, uh, the footlights and doing all this great sketch and comedy work. She has like the big hits of like Oscar. And like meaty roles by herself and doing the whole thing, writing and acting. And then she also has these like morals and standards that she is just like, I'm not going to fucking do this. Okay. Right. And, and she's not going to be silenced. And I'm, I, if she's charming us, I, we're job well done. I am charmed. <laughs> right. Exactly. What do you think we should do first? Our five star reviews or one star reviews? I think we should get through our one star reviews just, just to get it over with. Let's do it. Joe, as our guest, would you like to say your one-star review first? Sure. So we kind of breezed past it in uh, the the rewind, and I was happy to because I knew I was going to have to talk about it. So I actually went and watched Judas Kiss, the oh. 1998 crime thriller, which is like, if you've seen any of those mid-90s crime thrillers, which were like uh Romeo is bleeding or um, <laughs> wow. like all those sort of like Mickey and Mallory knockoffs kind of this is this very sort of like New Orleans tinged it's Carla Gugino and Simon Baker play this sort of like wannabe Bonnie and Clyde pair of America's criminals. favorite couples mm-hmm. Carla Giacchino <laughs> and Simon Baker and so their crew is like it's those two it's Gil Bellows who if you remember Ellie McBeal the guy who played uh, the guy uh, who Allie McBeal was in love with on that show. And uh, Till Schweiger, who shows up. I think he, w- he was in, like, Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah. He sort of shows up in a bunch of things. So they're this, like, criminal crew. And that's all this whole thing with, like, they, they are kidnapped a man and then shot a woman in the whole, like, in the process of it. And it has to... The woman that they shot was the wife of the governor or the senator, played by Hal Holbrook. And so anyway... Um, you mean Mr. Delta Burke? <laughs> I do, in fact, mean Mr. Delta Burke. So Emma and Alan Rickman... So Alan Rickman plays the like local detective who's like on the case, and she plays the FBI agent who has to sort of work with him. And they're both... Like, neither one of them 
could give a shit about being in this movie and it shows and like she still has her like hillary clinton primary colors haircut and they're both doing these really really bad sort of southern accents oh good good they're like really bored so fill me in that remark could be misconstrued as sexual harassment agent hawkins let's get it out of the way then You've never worked under a female superior before. I got to where I am by pushing paper and playing nice. I never let you fire guns before. I'm only in this job to prove to my father I'm not a coward. I give decent hands, so I got promoted before other worthy candidates, all of them men, all of them equally gifted at fellatio, but there was a gender quota to fill. I'm also stupid and idealistic. You are hard and cynical and usually right. I'm secretly in love with you, but I have a hard time showing it. Did I skip anything? You're a better driver than me, and I'm too proud to admit it. You're right. They know they're in a bad movie, and there is nothing they can do about it. And it's from the guy who directed... This was his de- feature debut, uh, Sebastian Gutierrez. He would go on to direct Electra Lux, and... Um, what are some of these movies? I've never heard of <laughs> I was going to say, like, movies. what the f- <laughs> Woman in Trouble, Rise, Bloodhunter, She-Creature. Like, these are uh, very, yes, like... Course. I've seen She-Creature. Carlo Giacchino's really? in that. Carlo Giacchino. <laughs> all oh, over my it. God. God, Carlo Giacchino and Rufus Sewell, yeah. So, it's just... It's it's true blue garbage, so but not even fun. It's just a slog from... Like, we were two minutes into this movie, and I was already just like, oh, God. Because it starts, and, like, Gugino's doing this sort of, like, slow drawl of a voiceover. So, like, she's essentially just, like, telling the story of, like, how it all began. And it's just, like, it's just, it's really, really bad. And Emma, for as much as I was waiting for her to just, like, oh, she'll be the bright spot in this movie. And she's just like, no, not this time, I won't. Like, you're, I, I do not care to be in this movie at all. So... It's it's pretty. It was a pretty easy choice for my one star, just because it's it's brutal. I wonder if her and Alan Rickman were like, should we just like do this for fun? Like, (laughs) honestly, like I wonder if maybe that's how they like became very good friends. If they weren't already, is they were just like, God, like we're the only two people who we can talk to on this whole set for this like brutal movie. He's like, have you ever been to New Orleans? Gavin, you want to pick yours? I would love to. Okay. So my one-star review, and we kind of breezed past this too, but even though I did take time to uh, besmirch Christopher Hampton, is 2003's Imagining Argentina. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Imagining Argentina is based off a very famous novel um, by Lawrence Thornton, um, and it is essentially about uh, what is known as the, the last military dictatorship in Argentina, which ran from 1976 to 1983. Uh, Antonio Banderas, my love. Ugh, um, I know. Yeah, I know. Second time I've like been really negative about one of his films. Um, he plays a, a children's theater director whose wife is a dissident journalist, and that's Emma Thompson. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this. Um, but essentially, she gets taken by the government, and he develops uh, psychic powers that allow him to see psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allow him to see what is happening to uh, these people that are taken by the government. But the only thing is, is his powers will not allow him to su- find out what is happening to her. He can occasionally see what's happening to her, but not where she is. Right. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I totally could see this working as a novel. I'm sure it's wonderful. You know, uh, nobody, genuinely, nobody does magical realism better than South Americans. I, I'll be yes. perfectly honest. Yes. Um, 
So I'm sure it works gangbusters as a novel. In a movie, it comes off like he's doing his worst Christopher Walken in oh, The no. Dead Zone, where he just like touches people and is yeah. like, ah, ooh, ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like psychic visions. Emma Thompson truly takes the cake. And I feel really terrible because she was so passionate about when this movie got booed at Venice, um, she started doing positive press. And this was um, the last film released by the company that then became Focus Features. Mm. And they were quoted in an article as saying, if anybody can save this movie, it's Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, oh, because wow. she she was so passionate about doing press for these people. The 30,000 people disappeared during this military dictatorship. I mean, they were throwing bodies in the river. A lot of it were, a lot of the people were former Nazis who moved to Argentina post wow. um, World War II. Like, it, it was a bad scene, and I get it. But Emma Thompson is not Latin. And, no. she, and <laughs> this is what I'm getting at. She is essentially in, like, very light, brown face oh boy yeah does she put on an accent she does like a latina accent right just trying to help you to be late for help what did you say don't think i like what goes on here i might be proud of it it's my job i've always been a prison guard like my father i imagine the job must have changed a lot in the last few years hasn't it yes out of all recognition well then i have children i need to work I'm sure if you really wanted to, you could find something else to do. But she can't do it. No. Because she's very British. Uh-huh. Um, so she just sounds British-y. Uh-huh. And <laughs> on top of that, the things that are asked of her are so unpleasant that, like, essentially, sometimes you get Antonio Banderas having psychic visions of her being raped. Ugh. And it's just, oh, like, God. close-ups of her face as, you know, or picking her daughter's rapist because they take his daughter at one point. Jesus Christ. And it just, it was so upsetting. And I do, she said in an interview, that it's important that people know about the upsetting things. It's actually very important to represent something in, the, in that sort of brutal, flat way. So I think that that's what it is. I think that's how it occurs. But the rest of the movie is so just like, he's a man with psychic powers so, that it just, it doesn't, it's it's the wrong venue for it. You know, some like executive was like, what if we put some more psychic stuff in yeah, there? Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and the movie at the end, like it, it tries to really drive home and I'm not, I, uh, it, it gives you a list of all the other major like travesties that are going on in the world and how many people have died during those and everything. And, mm-hmm. And it's like this film is dedicated to the loss. Wow, they're really trying it. Yeah, huh? and it and I get as a piece of activism why you would want to make it. And I do think there are many um, British actors of her age that have their heart in the right place when they do things like this. Yes, yes. But it it's it's a disaster, and that subject deserves a better movie. Yeah. Yeah, and she's bad in it. So, like, obviously, as I say every time we do this, I always try and pick the worst performance. My one-star review uh, is based on performance, and it's a bad movie that she's not good in. There you go. Um, Good job. Good pick. Um, My one-star review goes to 2013's The Love Punch. Um, I was... Any movie that's a quote-unquote comedy in which it fails to make her even a little bit funny 
is uh, a slap in the face, <laughs> you know? Like, how dare? Um, so she plays um, the wife to, or the ex-wife to uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, his company gets bought out and then sold to, like, some psycho, uh, like, a hedge fund bad guy character. I don't know, vague bank bad guy. Um, uh, they're, like, good friends, Timothy Spall and Celia Imrie, like, other, like, funny uh, supporting British people, they uh, it, there's a plot to like go steal a diamond. Yeah, it becomes like a spy film. It's a slapstick. I feel like this movie was definitely punching for the ARP crowd because one of the gags is like they call their son on Skype uh, so he can like hack things for them, and he like to do the hacking. He's like, okay, I gotta go look at my other computer, and then he walks away. And does the thing, I guess. And then comes back. He's like, all right, I got the codes or whatever. Um, also, one of the gags is like they start Skyping and like his roommate is like uh, maybe jerking off. His roommate's always jerking off. Yeah. It's not even maybe. And He's clearly <laughs> jerking off. And I was like, the old people who made this movie don't understand how that works. Like, there's no way that you're like, what? That big screen of people staring at me? <laughs> That's happening? Is that his roommate, Tyler? I think it is. Oh, Tyler! Close the door. Come on, son. Close it now. Mr. and Mrs. J? Yeah, yes, we're all here. On Skype. Sorry. It's deeply dumb, um, and it sucks because, like, the best part of Emma is, like, how intelligent and smart all of the comedy makes you feel. Like, you, she's very good at slapstick and um, physical humor, but... It's always just like wrapped in this lovely, smart, intelligent feeling. And um, yeah, and I also don't think her and Pierce Brosnan had like great chemistry. Oh, they don't have any chemistry, which is shocking because it's Pierce Brosnan. I know. He only has chemistry, I feel like, when he's like really wearing like a hot suit. Yeah, because we we also had issue when we did Selma Hayek with the the movie they did together. So um, real quick, though, uh, I mean, one of the highlights of the movie is their daughter is played by uh, Kate Middleton's cousin. Or something really? like, oh. yeah, like it, Pippa or Gemma or something like that. Yeah. Um, I wonder, um, we didn't talk about the rewind, but like, uh, Emma Thompson has said that she's been like friends with the Royals for like a long time. Yeah, cause she's known, uh, uh, William since he was a baby. Yeah. And she fully, and so I don't know if she like knew, uh, Kate or whatever. Um, but also she casually, when she went to go get her, um, knighthood, damehood, whatever the fuck they call it. She wore um, sneakers. Yeah. Like a boss-ass bitch. And a women's equal pay pin. Come correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't want to talk about The Love Punch anymore. It's a very bad movie. It made no money. There, was there anything else that uh, you guys saw that you perhaps didn't love? And this can be film or performance. Uh, she's got a couple in there. We mentioned Brideshead Revisited before. Um, I think it's such a lovely novel that it's hard for me to watch a bad adaptation of it. But I do think she's the bright spot in it. I think Junior's pretty bad. I oh, don't Junior think, is really bad. <laughs> I don't think she she gets a chance to show her best in that movie. And... It's always funny to me that she got a Golden Globe nomination for it, because... That is insane. Anna, please, don't be angry. Why should I be angry? You lie to me, you, you steal from me. You engage in an utterly immoral, selfish, arrogant stunt without any regard for my feelings whatsoever. What, what, what am I supposed to be, grateful? This is just so male. I also just think, like, watching... For me, watching Primary Colors today feels 
like an insane psycho um, trip where the, <laughs> the movie is trying to be like, politics shouldn't be bad. And they're like, you got to be bad to do the good. And it just feels so awful to be having that conversation. Right. Because you know it's just happening in an echo chamber. Like, no one cares. You know, we are talking to ourselves like, how evil should we be to win? <laughs> and it's like, no, but like, if we are evil, we're just like, I hate that conversation so much. And this movie is just that conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it just brought me down. Okay. Maybe in like brighter, happier um uh government times um i would feel differently but i hadn't watched it before and so watching it now i was like Bleh. well i think that wraps up our one star reviews so yes. why don't we move into our five star reviews all right joe hit us what do you got I mean, there's so much to choose from. I feel like I have, like, I'm, like, throwing a dart at a board for, like, yeah. four or five of them. Um, it, having not rewatched The Remains of the Day, I think I'm going to let that one sort of sit, and maybe one of you will pick it up. <laughs> um, and Howard's End being, like, her Oscar-winning role feels a little obvious, so I am going to go back to... Her performance in Love Actually, which I know, like, ah, it's wow. Love Actually. Yes, but, like, yes, is yes, it Love Joe. Actually? <laughs> it's such a wonderful performance. And She's it's, really it's one of those things where, like, you know in a movie like this, there's a billion characters, and you're only going to get maybe two or three scenes to really show your stuff. And... She's good in her other scenes. You could like she and Hugh Grant actually develop a really interesting brother and sister bond in like the very brief time we see yeah. them on screen together. Hey, 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 hey! Hmm. You all right? What the hell are you doing here? Well, I, mean, I always I, tell your secretary, secretary, secretary that these things are going on, but it never occurred to me you'd actually turn up. Well, I thought it was about time I, I did. I just didn't want anyone to see, so I'm gonna. Hide myself somewhere and, and watch the show. Good luck, good luck, Daisy. Good luck, Bernie. I have to tell you, I've never been glad to see my stupid big brother. Thank you. All right. And then she—it's her and Neeson who are like pals, right? Like they're yeah. the right. Yeah, I think she was like friends with his now deceased wife. The now deceased wife, yeah. right? And so, like, that's a really like cute scene. But then, like, you really what like for the amount of time that she's given in this movie to really pack the wallop that she does in that scene with her in the bedroom is just so good. And it's yep. so like, it's so impactful. And the fact that like this whole, like, I feel like this whole like generation of us who like were, you know, in our early twenties or, or late teens or whatever, when people, when, you know, people saw this movie that we all remember it so, like, distinctly and, like, all revisit it when the movie is on TV again and again and again. And I think that means something. And I think I like the fact that I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's, like, the millennial touchstone for Emma Thompson yeah, for a lot of people I, I, is I, that scene in that movie. I also will say, like, obviously the great scene, but I also love her other scene where her kids are like, I'm playing the second lobster. And she's like, was there more than one lobster than the yes, scene? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a lot of like really cute stuff like that with the kids. It's so but cute. But there's the point where she's in the bedroom and she like, and she goes to like, make sure her makeup is set. And it honestly looks like she's like pushing the tears back into her eyes. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's quite good. Yeah. Acting, ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gavin, what do you got? I'm going to go to 2001's Wit. 
Good. I'm glad somebody did. Yeah. Uh, I I love Wit. I've loved it from the the first time I saw it. Um, it is a beautiful film, an absolutely beautiful, heartbreaking film. Um, it is, you know, it's not just sad, and I think that's a, a lot of people think about it as just sad, right? Um, <laughs> right. It's not. It's it's first of all a gorgeous performance from Emma Thompson, and she has to really like it's a very careful balancing act of being theatrical because it is i mean it's very much a play um but the way that her and mike nichols have worked together to structure that to be more cinematic but she does have to do so much direct address to the camera yeah um but it feels intimate and welcoming and even though she's playing a character who is hard and uh perhaps not the most personable right it, it makes you feel like you're there with her and you're watching somebody who is i'm getting emotional thinking about it trying to find the dignity in a disease that's robbing her of that dignity yeah yeah you know. and, and the best part is like, uh, so first of all, reader, I also chose wit. Did you really <laughs> shut Bitch. the fuck up? Bitch, nice. First of all, oh. uh, no. But I what I have to say is, um, Audrey McDonald's performance, like they, I mean, God, like the movie, like you were saying, they keep asking her, like, do you have anyone? Right. Do you like should we call? And like literally, she's like, I don't. I really, you know, right. and they don't really tell us much about like her family. I think I can't. There's recall. some flashbacks to her childhood, but it's very right. I mean, but, but it's isolated. Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not. I mean, and and what's, yeah, I I had not seen this before, but like it, the movie is also just like really tell or this play. It's like about you know how these people do not care about you know th- right. they're treating this disease and like that last really climactic thing uh where the doc the, there's like a student doctor character yeah. or whatever um and he like jonathan m woodward of buffy the vampire slayer fame thank you <laughs> um he is like this character who is less interested in the human being and more interested in just like the disease and you know uh, uh Audrey McDonald's character is the perfect foil and like salve for that, yeah. Because she is so loving and yeah. so um, yeah uh, uh, emotional, and the the physical um, the physicality of this performance, you see Emma Thompson wither, yeah, into nothing on yeah. this. She fully shaved her head, yeah, you know, for it. Um, it I I was devastated by this, um, and 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 that's insane because Emma uh, is known for being this like. Uh, full of life funny right a character and and you get that at the beginning right when she's like kind of like there she's even joking like the the doctor's like do you have any questions and she's like she's making jokes yeah um and seeing the transformation from the beginning to the end it's uh and and she's got the range yeah and it's not uh, just for the plot of the movie it's not a pleasant experience because you essentially know she she has stage four cancer from the beginning you essentially know she's going to die and the question becomes how is she going to die is it going to be you know that through you know a pleasant means or they you know they sign her up for this clinical trial where it's basically like the the highest extent of chemotherapy and they they want to keep giving her more and more and it's it's uh this kind of like morality play you know yeah. like it's just about you know is it wor- life worth living and like they're because they are bombarding her with awful horrible treatments all in the sake of like medicine you know right. like instead of human and, and while they're treating the body you get to watch the sort of uh, the acceptance of her mind 
Yeah. yeah. Giving into the fact that she will yep. no longer be. It's it's heartbreaking. We are discussing life and death and not in the abstract either. We are discussing my life and my death. And I, I can't conceive of any other tone. Now is not the time for verbal swordplay. Nothing would be worse than a detailed scholarly analysis of erudition, interpretation, complication. Now is the time for simplicity. Now is the time for, dare I say it, kindness. I thought being extremely smart would take care of it. But I see that I have been found out. I feel like you're better for having seen it if yeah. you have not seen it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. also a very underrated uh, Mike Nichols movie in Absolutely. terms of, like, I think he's somebody who is con- constantly underrated, especially for the way he's worked with women across his career, or the way mm-hmm. he did across his 100%. career when he was alive. Um, and I think this is such a great example of it, because it's just, like, it's it's not just the two of them. Like, there are other people in this the movie, obviously, but, like, it feels very much just like a dance between the two of them, and it's yeah. just incredible. It absolutely is. I, I yeah, I would recommend Wit any any time, any yeah. day. It's like, on, um, like, HBO Go right yes, now, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, Obviously, you know, I think, like, the triple punch of her, like, period stuff, Howard's End, Remains of Day, and Sensibility are all, like, instant modern classics of these, uh, you know, literary tales that, like, really cement uh, Emma and her, um, you know, her legacy. It's just so wild that that was, like, a four-year span yeah, where she yeah. managed to do all of that. And it's just like, holy crap. It's, a four-year span it's where she's, like, going through divorce, like, yeah. going through it. and But, like, yes. her star is rising to the top. Um, and um, I also would just throw it, I mean, I've made no, um, it's no secret that I love much to do about nothing. Yeah. And so I would add that in there, too. Yeah, 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 I mean, I, I I feel I almost didn't want to ask if there was anything else that you guys saw that you really liked her in because everything feel, else. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like you could go on and on. Angels in America, which you brought up before, Joe. I think she's yeah really amazing in playing multiple roles, um, multiple roles, and also just the reams of dialogue she has to deliver as the angel that are very yeah. like stylized. That's where the dialogue gets very stylized and very intricate. I I I I am the bird of America. The bald eagle, continental principality, lumen, phosphor, fluor, candle. I unfold my leaves, bright steel in salutation, open sharp before you. Prior Walter, long descended, well prepared. No, I'm not prepared for anything. I have lots to do. And and also she plays the angel as this sort of like over the top, like the balance of comedy and her stuff in that movie is really interesting because she has to play it very over the top and just to the side of you being able to laugh at it, but not like asking you for it. And it's, it's really precise. Before we move into our fast forward though, yes. I do want to make sure that we get through our mixed reviews reviews. We always forget. <laughs> yes. Because we are terrible at remembering this. So 
My one-star review was 2003's Imagining Argentina. Mine was 2013's The Love Punch. Mine was 1998's Judas Kiss. And my five-star review, which was also Louis's five-star review, was 2001's Wit. Ditto, yes. Mine was honestly almost 2001's Wit, and I would have loved to have, like, <laughs> oh my almost God. to sort of, like, flip out at that uh, re- revelation. But mine actually was 2003's Love Actually. Incredible. Yeah. Love that for us. Love that for, for Emma. Love that for us, yes. Love Emma. Uh, so let's get into our fast forward. All right, so as you mentioned, we're doing this because Late Night is coming out. I actually have seen Late Night. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, I went to a preview screening uh, about two weeks ago. Um, The Lincoln Center had some extra tickets. I won a contest, whatever. I called a radio station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I thought it was all right. I I thought Emma Thompson is the best thing about it. She really is. I mean, I was like, I absolutely would watch her, could see her being a late night host. Yeah. Um, and she plays. They a, don't a, let women be late night yeah, hosts. Come on, you're now. a fool. Right. right. Fair. Um, she, yeah, she plays a, a very tough, driven woman who is a bit of an anti-feminist. She doesn't get along with any other women. Uh, so she's never really had a woman on a writing staff that she hasn't fired. Um, Mindy Kaling's character is uh, <laughs> a woman who works at, at a chemistry lab hmm. um, who essentially on a whim, you know, she, she it's it's a complicated in the movie, you'll see it. But uh she she gets hired as a writer and it it's really this back and forth between them about like cooling Emma's persona and making her more likable and Mindy Kaling finding out what it takes to exist in this professional world. I'm I'm Tom. I uh, I write the monologue. I'm actually the youngest monologue writer in the history of the show. No, 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 I am doing here. No, okay. Do you know what? I'm not going to remember any of this. So here's what we're going to do. Um you're one. Two, three, four. Hi, Catherine. Oh, Birdie, thank God. How's your baby? She's 27. Her baby's doing well. She's just started preschool. She's, uh... Never mind. I I don't want to know. I don't know why I asked. Actually, you're five, six, seven. That's what I'm going to call you all from now on. It's just easier. It steals a lot of beats from um, Devil Wears Prada. Obviously, like, that is clearly the... The if you could see into the matrix of the movie, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Emma Thompson's s- much softer than than the Meryl, Meryl Streep's uh, Miranda character um, because she has to be because she's the secondary lead in the film. There's some turns I don't like. I'm not gonna get into all of them, but I I mean Emma Thompson's really the star of the show. And what it. I love though is that this is like the kickoff for like the return of Emma. Yes, because I guess we had it. Like, she's been doing these little things here and there. You know, Children's Act was, like, a kind of small yeah. thing that no one saw. And so we've got this. And then she's also got, like... Men in Black International, which comes out, oh, like, two weeks later. Yeah. And then... Which is a huge Hollywood thing, which yeah. she doesn't do often. And then after that, she's got um, Last Christmas. Yes, Last Can Christmas. Can we talk about Last Christmas for yes, a second? Yes, please. I'm please. so excited. Okay. I mean, first of all, we're talking about it. I know we're talking about it for Emma, but also Henry Goldring. Oh, yeah. Also, like, let, let's just appreciate this cast. It's Emma Thompson, Amelia Clark from yes. Game of Thrones, Henry Golding, and Michelle Yeoh. We yes. Reunited yet again Queen. after Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, Patty Lapone's in this movie, what? motherfuckers. I didn't know that. Patricia? And... Yeah, look at that cast on Wikipedia, yo. Um, and it's directed by Paul Feig, who, like... Uh, hello. Yeah. I can't say... I can no longer say, like, can do no wrong, because, like, he's... Right. Whatever. 
in general, Paul Feig's movies are fucking awesome. Like, oh, I just want to point it out too. It's called Last Christmas because it's a filmic adaptation. Yes. Oh, yes. Of the George Michael song. Of the titular yep. Wham <laughs> song. Christmas. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, I can't wait for that song just to I'm be like so on repeat. For this movie. I watched an interview with her where uh, it was like an Entertainment Tonight interview. So there's lots of yeah. music in it. Yeah. And the, the host is like, you know, this is going to become a Christmas classic. And she's like, uh, I think I'm just going to jump off this bridge right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I fucking love her so much. She gives good interviews. She does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she, she's so smart and so witty and so wry. And yeah. so, you know, that, uh, I don't know. I've heard her talk about like how comedy is different for women than it is men on many different occasions. She has this whole theory about how like um comedy's like orgasm for men it's like one and done. And yeah. For women it's like <laughs> it builds and then maybe it's not funny anymore and then it's really funny for a little bit and then yeah. So uh I, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the Emma Thompson renaissance is um, like yeah. Upon she us. also did a voice in Missing Link, which came out earlier. This oh year. yeah, true, true. So, and she's got this uh, this oh, TV movie yes. that HBO years is to years? doing. Oh yeah, years and years, which is it's actually, a mini series, right? Yeah, yes, it's Russell T Davies, who was the man who single handedly brought Doctor Who back. Um, in the early 2000s, and uh, also, also the queerest folk, queerest folk, exactly. I was yeah. going to say the the real reason he's famous, actually, and I'd say that with no slight. That's, um, and uh, and it's actually started airing in England already. Really? I think they're through the first three episodes because it's a co-production. Um, and she plays like a Donald Trumpian politician. Yeah. I don't yes. want to tell the story. I do not want to tell the story, but everyone knows the story. She got asked out on a date. By Donald Trump. <gasps> I didn't know this story. Um, hello. She like after the you know after Donald Trump became president, uh, she's gone on like the late night stuff, and she's like when they were doing primary colors, she got a call to her trailer on a and she was like I didn't even know we had a phone in the trailer. I don't know how he got my phone number in the trailer. So I lift up the phone. Hi, it's Donald Trump here. I said, really. He said, yeah, I just, you know, I, I wondered if I could offer you some accommodation in one of my Trump Towers. They're really comfortable. What? Well, you know, I think we would get on very well. Maybe we could have dinner sometime. Okay, well, um, I'll get back to you. <laughs> but yeah, and it's so fucking weird. She plays in this years and years thing where she's uh, yeah. this kind of like very white, white, yeah, she's right wing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nationalist character. Yeah, she's very much a combination of Theresa May and yeah. and Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah, and it's just kind of like looking at like the country as it changes over X amount of years and um, kind of the horrors that await us all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russell uh, Tovey is in it, and yes. Rory Kinnear is in it, and. Russell Tovey playing gay, which is you know nice. Always preferred. Always preferred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My preferred um, uh, spice on him. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Yeah, so she's, I mean, she's certainly not hurting for work. and She's not going anywhere. She's a woman who just turned 60, yes. which is unbelievable. I know. Whatever she's doing as her skincare routine. Because yeah. you know someone like her who is so body positive, it's not any she, sort she, of. Yeah. yeah. So she's just like, aging with, tell me what you're putting on your face. She is yeah. aging with full grace. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I like I, that she like has gone to the sort of like, very sort of like light blonde to the point of like sometimes she's, she, her hair yeah. is white and like and it's very much like oh the year that like my mom and my aunts all decided to like stop <laughs> coloring their hair all at once and <laughs> yeah. i was like very proud of all of you 
Yeah, yeah. it's great. I, I think there's still a lot more in store for us uh, absolutely. with her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to, like, see if she's got some more, like, writing things that she wants to do. You know, normally... Oh, that's the a- other thing about Last Christmas is I think she's got a writing... She wrote that screenplay, right? She did. Oh. She did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so normally in the show, this is where I'd ask, you know, what do you want to see from Emma? I almost feel like it's pointless to ask because, first of all, she's not going to listen to any of us. She's going to do whatever the fuck she wants. But also, she's doing it. She's, you know, she's doing comedy. She's doing drama. She's writing again, you know. And she's good. And she's back on HBO doing, you know, this miniseries. I I will say the one thing I actually do (laughs) now that I've said we can't tell her what to do um, for years and years, years and years. Uh, there has been a rumor that she wrote a script for an updated version, or not an updated version, but a reinterpretation of My Fair Lady, oh, the musical. Oh, no shit. Ah. Um, because, obviously, it's notoriously anti-feminist. Yes, yes. yes. I want... Wow, whoever gets that made, I want to see that. Because yeah. I actually do really like the music in My Fair Lady yeah. and wouldn't mind seeing... It's a, a problematic better, fave. Yeah, a better version of that. Yeah, I would also... I mean, she was such a hoot um on stage here i would love to see her come back to do another show on broadway yes um please emma we, we need you <laughs> yeah that would be amazing uh but uh joe do you have any last thoughts or things oh, as we wrap up emma thompson i mean i think i mentioned it earlier i would love to see her and stephen fry and hugh laurie get get together oh, for another yeah. thing again i think that would be really fun i think that would be very cool and i mean in the like you know She's never going to be able to make another movie with Mike Nichols again, obviously, but sort yeah. of somebody find a director. I I would love for her to find a director who she can make like multiple movies with who mm. can sort of like they can like, you know, take some chances and, and explore some different, you know, different shades in different areas. I think that'd be very fun. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, so, Joe, now that we've wrapped up the episode, where can we find you online? Because I know Ugh. you have a finger in several different pots at the moment. So many places, yes. I was like, don't uh, be my- disgusting, Gavin. <laughs> uh, my the podcast- whole time? The whole time? <laughs> the whole time? Oh my god, you should do a Sally Field episode. That would be oh, oh, we will. I have the book. It's around here somewhere. Yeah. Yay, I think I gave it okay. to you. No, no, I bought it for my mom, but by fucking niece and nephew the nine-year-old and seven-year-old also bought it for her so i had to keep my copy nine-year-olds and seven-year-olds should be like you can get away with way worse gifts and they shouldn't be able to steal the good gifts i'm sorry thank you exactly make her a macaroni thing yes thank you that she'd be fine with that a little hand turkey whatever Um, a little hand turkey for christmas exactly (laughs) um You guys mentioned my podcast, This Had Oscar Buzz, which uh, you should all go listen to because I think it's really fun. And I think you'd really like it. We've got some good ones coming up. I don't know when this podcast goes up, but our next episode might be Rendition. We're doing um, Rendition because it's Reese Witherspoon and Meryl Streep. And so in honor of Big Little Lies. Yes, of course. Get that one out there. Um, We've got some fun stuff. Our 50th episode is coming up. We did. uh, We've got a uh, some stuff in store for there where I think we're going to do a listener poll to decide what we're going to talk about for that episode and it's gonna be fun that's also on twitter at had underscore oscar underscore buzz i am on twitter at joe reed reed spelled r-e-i-d and i'm uh managing editor for a site about television called prime timer that if you want to check that out too i'm sure my bosses there would be very happy if you did so <laughs> yes congratulations with all that it's a uh, thank you fun Thanks. times yeah fun new job uh, so i guess that wraps us up so you can find us online 
online um, on Twitter at at the mix reviews. At the mix reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in the mix reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can listen to us everywhere. Write us a little love note. Yeah. If you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, you can rate and review us. Please give us a five star review and write something nice. Right, you know, like yeah. t- tell us how much you love Emma Thompson. But in the voice of Jane Austen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Please. Yes, that that is our challenge to you. Write us a review in the voice of Jane Austen. That thing, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. We're gonna go away for another two weeks, and when we come back, uh, we're gonna have another subject. Yep, there you go. So thanks, thanks you guys for listening. Yes, and thank you, Joe, for being here. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 By the sea. By the sea, wouldn't that be smashing down by the sea? Anything you say, anything you say. I can see us waking, the breakers breaking, the seagulls squawking. I do me baking, then I go walking with this. I want me bones on the esplanade Have tea and scones with me gay young blade Then I'll knit a sweater while you write a letter Unless we've got better to do Anything you say